never met a girl like you before. I think you're extraordinary. The New York Times held Sylvie's love is a callback to the golden age of Hollywood. The band got a gig in Paris. Come with me. I need to be the woman of my dreams, not just yours. It's genuinely magical and is an undeniably charming romance. Tessa Thompson, Namdi Asamoa. Pleasant experiences ahead. Don't pass it by. Sylvie's love this Christmas. Only on Prime Video. Rated PG-13. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Charlie Penn. And I'm Corey Murray. And you're listening to... Yes, girl! Okay, we're a little off. It's the Zoom. It's the Zoom, Zoom, but we're a little off beat just because it's been a minute. We're a little excited. We're a little excited. You haven't heard from us. We have received your DMs, um, but we're going to get into that a little bit uh, in a little bit about why you haven't heard our voices in a while. But we did come back together to celebrate what, Charlie Penn? Uh, Sylvie's Love. Today's guests are the star of the new film, Sylvie's Love, Tessa Thompson and Asia Naomi King. We got to see the film. Corey? I think we've been living with this film. We seriously, (laughs) we've I've seen it twice. Yes. Y'all know I've I only seen it once, story. but I've seen it. You know, I love a vintage love story. Corey, give the setting. What, should we tell them what it's about? Let's start there. Let's start there. So think back to 1950s Harlem. I mean, it opens up with Tessa Thompson in the cutest little pixie wig, working at her father's, like an electronic shop. And, you know, she's doing her summer job. And then in walks a cutie pie. Cutie pie. her through the window, y'all. Yes. Remember when you met somebody that way? Yes. <laughs> but then walks the man is going to change your life. Okay. The, the love attraction is so immediate. And that lover boy that we see is none other than Kerry Washington's boo, her real life boo, actor Namdi Asamoa, who happens to also be one of the producers of Sylvie's Love. And then it just takes a turn into being a real love story, which Charlie Penn, I know that you are really here for, about this couple and all of the trial and tribulations that they go through to really come together. And you don't really know how they're going to end up until the very end. I mean, it's really touch and go. You know I love a love story, y'all. Especially when the entire plot, right, Corey, is built around the love story. Like, you know how sometimes you'll have a love story in a movie and it's like, over here, you're super invested in this couple and whether or not they work out. And then there's like war or racism or violence or a million other subplots, which is also a good movie. But in this case, we really go on the journey with this couple from start to finish. And there are very few, if any, distractions. And it's vintage, Corey. They fell in love with no iPhone, no Instagram, no, I mean, seriously, it was just cute bikinis and meetups on rooftops when it was easy. It's funny you say that because when you think about how we are today, like texting, you know, all this back then, it was like they really only had their interactions they had in the store, phone calls, and then hopefully meeting up at like a jazz club or something. If you didn't be where you said you were going to be, y'all broke up. Yep. <laughs> there was no more texting. Like now it's like I'm running an hour late. When there were just beepers, you couldn't do that. Before beepers that. and phones, when there were just pay phones, if you didn't make it to the tarmac by seven, your love was over. That was it. That it was, was it. Like I got on the plane. The plane had to go off. And met another woman. Yep. Okay. And you couldn't even get him when the airplane mode went off. It was over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
carefully move. <laughs> but you know, I mean, think about, you know, all the modern luxuries, right? That help make falling in love easy. And this was set in a time where it, you just had the love and the passion and the emotion and a miscommunication could go real left. You know, that's the only hint, hint, spoiler, spoiler I will give. So it, it, Corey, I have to, it makes me want to ask you if you could travel back or forward to any era in time, mm-hmm. where would you go and why? You know, I love this question because I've thought about it a couple of times throughout my life. And I think I still have the same answer. But now it's underscored by a small anecdote I heard Tom Hanks had when he was in, he and Halle Berry were starring and doing promotion for Cloud Atlas. And one of Halle's incarnations um, was that she was sort of in the 1800s, 17 or 1800s, and she's dressed in a very Victorian Edwardian gown. And apparently Tom Hanks said off camera, he was like, wow, you look really you know, you look really good in this look, like you you should look into doing more period pieces. And she was like, well, actually, during this period, I was a slave. And he was like, noted, understood. Uh, But it was, you know, but in that moment, what I took away from that was, yeah, we don't get a lot of times as far as Black people on screen to have these really beautiful moments where where we can wear beautiful ball gowns and have these things, um, you know, because of history, our history in this country. So once one of the things I did love about Sylvie's Love is the fact that they come from an area in Harlem where there was no struggle. You know, Tessa Thompson is going to talk about this. Like this was a really well-to-do family. This is very Jack and Jill. They're, they were you know, comfortable. She, they were comfortable. They're, uh, you know, they were debutantes. I believe, you know, that the director, Eugene Ash said, you know, there's Van Der Zee, James Van Der Zee photos on the wall. Like this was not a, a family that struggled. This was a family that had money and they lived well. And Tessa's character, Sylvie, lives well. And it's seen and it's really beautiful. To, and I don't mean to make this superficial, but it's kind of nice to see us just being gorgeous and vintage. I mean, she talked about they were able to use like the House of Chanel opened up their costumes for this film. So mm-hmm. I love seeing. So all that to say, I realize I'm not answering your question, but all that to say, I would love to be in a travel back to a time of the Harlem Renaissance when to go outside to even go to the store, you had to dress up. Like yeah. Yeah, that walk on the street, on the street, like Seventh Avenue in Harlem was nothing but a big old runway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of people like there were no jeans there. And as much as I live in jeans and a black legging, especially now, but back then to know that you always wore heels or you always had a little fur or you always had your hair did and the lips, like it was always a moment when you walked out the door. I, I would, I would have loved to have been a part of that because it's, it just feels so glamorous. And that's something you don't see. We don't see enough of ourselves being just that beauty, that type of beauty. Um, it's screen. definitely the fantasy, Corey. I completely agree. And, you know, I think my answer, like you said, when you talked about Holly Berry and Tom Hanks and that, that moment on Crowd Atlas, it's tricky. I like to say I would like to go back in time for a night because the eras I would like to visit is probably not safe for me when the sun rises. You nope. know what I mean? And the time period. down to towns. Uh, hello, these sunset counties. But like that 30s, like depression era, um, like the Idlewild movie and the juke joints and the color. Per- like I would love to go to like an incredible 1935 juke joint 
party with the with the fringe and the outfits in the 20s, 30s era. You want to get your Ma Rainey on. I know. Hello, I want to yep. get my Ma Rainey on for the night. The live music, the band, the parties, the, you know, the drinks, the, the whole Hollywood glam of it all. Um, and I really have always loved those scenes in every movie, you know, even in The Color Purple, like just where you just get in there and you just have a great night. But, you know, when, oh, when I wake up in the morning, I want to go home. Uh, for a lot of reasons that we know, because it wasn't easy being black. But what I will say is even fast forwarding to what era was that the was it the seventies or the sixties? Because even in um Corey, but remember back with American Gangster, Frank Lucas had the nightclub and they were dressed to impress just to go out. I think right? it was more like the seventies. The seventies, but that was still a party with the live music and like that was what going out meant. And I love that fellowship among our people and the glam and the fabulosity. And I know we can still find that sprinkled in at a red carpet or a premiere, an award show. But we used to dress like an award show to go to the club up the street. And I just want a night <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Or three. Give me a weekend, a long weekend. And then I'm going to come back to 2020. But it was beautiful and I'd love to see it. Thinking about, all right, so let's just bring it forward. Like with pandemic, like we don't even go out anymore. I know. Like I haven't had a heel on since March. I think I may have put on a wedge. Girl, I put a heel on for my birthday and my feet were like, no, we've done, we're done here. Like we've talked about this, Charlie. <laughs> you waited too long and now you are going to be a sneakers and boots and Uggs kind of girl for the rest of your life and you could just deal. That's what they told me. I said, okay, feet, I get it. I tried it. That's one night of heels, okay? It's over. <laughs> Am I alone, y'all? Hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. Yeah, please let us know. I went out today. I had the audacity to put on a dress. I don't know. I just felt, I just, because I, I have been living in a black sweatshirt and leggings every okay. day. And I was like, I'm going to put on a little dress today. And I went out to take out the trash. And this man was in a car. And he looked at me like, where are you going? Because <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. Because clearly I had on the leggings underneath. But I still wanted to give a little, you know, something up top. Well, that's the hard part. It's like when we actually have to put a full outfit on, what are we going to do? Because now it's like, I just got to get the top right. Not the shoes, not the coat. <laughs> the other day I was like, wait, what coat goes with this? No, but in all seriousness, <laughs> Corey and I are so, so quarantined. But you all have felt quarantined from us. We understand that we went away a little bit. Um, we missed you so much. We got all your texts. Uh, your DMs, Corey, right? The messages. I mean, it it really warmed our heart. It did um, to know we were clearly sho- yeah. sorely missed. And we thank you for that. Um, we haven't publicly addressed it, but I think we can do so now by saying we, um, I'm sure you guys read a lot of the news that Essence would hit with massive furloughs of the staff. And while um, Charlie likes to call us unicorns uh, for the many different jobs that we do, but something that we cannot do is produce a podcast on our own because that talent lied with Tiffany Ashate, um, who was our executive producer and GM of the Essence Podcast Network. Um, and along with her junior producers, Ashley Hobbs and Chantel Holder, I mean, they were our dream team, Charlie. We couldn't do it without them. So we haven't done it. Yep. Um, and we've missed you all so much. Um, and, you know, I know that furloughs have hit companies across the nation. We all know and love someone who was furloughed from their role uh, temporarily or permanently. And it's hard out there in these streets. So we are just grateful to be able to pop back in and, you know, say hi to you all and celebrate Sylvie's love 
which is coming as a digital cover. We did want you to know from our hearts to yours that we read every tweet, every DM, every message, and it just feels so good to be missed and loved. And I know we've come into your living room for three plus years now and your car ride and your commute and everything. And it's just nice to know that you saved that space for us. So thank you so, so much. So we're going to start crying and we're not going to do that uh, because Sylvie's love and this interview that we were able to connect with Asia Naomi King, who called us in from London and Tesha Thompson, who, where was she? Look like she was in some paradise. I was like, sis, where are you? Fresh face, all of it. Wait, Fresh real quick. Charlie's going to hate me for saying this, but it goes to a testament of my theory of always staying ready. Tessa turned on her camera, y'all, and we thought it was audio only, as sometimes podcasts are. And she turned on her camera, so you know we had to turn our camera, too, and say hello. I was in my black and white striped pajamas. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was in my whole pajamas <laughs> talking to an entire A-list phenomenal actress. But the reason... But the reason I bring it up, because Charlie stayed ready, and I know y'all couldn't, I hope you can visualize this. Charlie turned that camera angle so quick that you only got her neck up. And the way her hair flowed, she flipped her hair down in such a way. And then somehow the light came in that it was muted. And you look like, you were you were just posed like you so, were just like you're gonna get this angle right here i rested and, my little chin on my little i mean chin on my little hand yes. and i was like we're gonna block all these pajamas all of them <laughs> but we learned because as we're in a pandemic world in a covet world in the zoom world video chat world just keep that i now keep my lipstick right here yep right next to me here we go because right case here. in point that if i just need to slap it on real quick before you press that start video button on zoom. yep Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and I grabbed a plant. Y'all missed that though. I had grabbed a plant from the side and put it by me. I did a lot in four seconds. Okay. A lot. <laughs> so shout out to everybody making it work at home. Corey and I are right there with you. And you are going to love this interview with Tessa Thompson and Asia Naomi King. Let's do it. Charlie Penn. Corey Murray. I love when we talk to a fave. Me, me too. Friend of the pod. Friend of the friend of essence. Yes. Cover girl. Past cover girl. Come on. Several times. All right. Uh, but we got Tessa Thompson in the house. Hi, Tessa. Hi y'all. Welcome back. It's great Thank to see you. your face in 2020. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Nice to see both of yours. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. So we want to, we called you up because um, I've been having this movie on my mind and sitting with it for a minute. It's Sylvie's Love. Um, I got the pleasure of seeing it over the summer. I stayed up last night watching it, Tessa, and I kept trying to wake my husband up. I was like, get into this with me. I started <laughs> late because I love a good, you know, I love a love story, y'all. <laughs> love is a romance. To cherish. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I've been sitting, because what I've been sitting on is, yes, it's love and love is in the title, but it's also a serious tribute to girl power. I mean, we've got different women who have agency over themselves. Ryan Michelle Bathay is your boss and mm-hmm. you're an aspiring TV producer. Eva Longoria is a jazz club owner. 
Gemma mm-hmm. Kurt is a manager of this jazz club. So all of these women, and then Asia Naomi King, who we see as a bit of a flirt in the beginning, but clearly owns up and steps into her power in the political space mm-hmm. towards the end. And I love that. Like, I love that. So what was that like filming having this movie where all the women are badass. Mm-hmm. You know, incredible. And it was such a pleasure to get to, you know, perform in the film and also produce it alongside another wonderful woman named Gabrielle um, Glore. And like, you know, not for nothing, I've, I found it really inspirational as this, playing this young woman, Sylvie, who dreams of being this television producer who is being told even by her family and certainly by society at large that her dream is is an impossible one and then the first time that she really gets to see like this can exist is in Ryan's character who is a black woman successful producer um Sylvie doesn't even imagine that that's possible until she sees Ryan and Ryan's character is the first woman that gives her an opportunity and so I I thought it was this incredible yes it's a love story but I think it's also a love story to black women it's a love story to how black women make space for each other all of our varied relationships and I love that you get to see so many different kinds of women in this movie because obviously we as black women and women in general are not a monolith we are different we come in all different particulars and so I love that this film celebrates that as well the the scene where you are interviewing with your boss future boss Ryan and you don't realize that she's the one (laughs) making the hiring decision and you you know you have that moment um that really stuck with me right because you know just we sometimes we don't even realize the opportunities that are out there for us even in that moment Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was incredibly powerful, speaking to what you were saying. Yeah, well. you know, Eugene Ash, the filmmaker, was really taking from real women at the time, you know, who Black women who were, um, and Diane Carroll was a big point of reference for me, for Sylvie, for how she sounded and, and um, how, you know, she sort of showed up as this businesswoman. It was incredible to get to have that sort of grace, you know, like, I feel like that has sort of been lost. Like I look at old photographs of my grandparents and my grandmother was just decked out all the time. And my grandparents didn't have a lot. They were working class folks. My grandmother was a teacher. My grandfather was from Bully, Oklahoma. Um, He, you know, drove produce across the country. They, you know, they're hardworking people. And a part of the way that they sort of resisted actually the part of the way that they express their dignity and value at a time where the country was was you know not celebrating it in a real way was to dress was to have this outward um, to express this kind of elegance to say like we are valuable we are important and so I think that that is a part of our legacy as Black folks you know that we have this we really have to be excellent that there's this that there's this idea and I think the thing that Sylvie is the way in which she bucks against convention is her mom essentially is saying that your best the best that you can do is marry well that that the only power that she can achieve is proximity to the power of her husband power of men and Sylvie is saying what she's curious about is can I come into my own power that doesn't have anything to do with what man I'm standing next to. Um, And I think that that's something that while I don't understand like the 1950s, 1960s version of that, I never had parents that told me like, marry well, you know? Um, But I do understand this idea of, of 
of garnering power by proximity to powerful men. And certainly that's something that I feel like I've had to interrogate in myself inside of Hollywood. You know, I'm at a point where life imitates art. I'm building this production company from the ground up, you know, um, with the help of, you know, folks that I've worked closely to, but really on my own um, and having conversations with other women who have done that, you know, whether it be Lena Waithe um, or Issa Rae or Rashida Jones, you know, Carrie Washington, friends of mine that I've seen them, you know, sort of start their own empire in their way, you know, and, and, and make work. And I think something that is really incredible is this idea, like we see in Sylvie's Love, that we, we garner our own power, that we give each other opportunity, that if we don't have a place at the table, we build our own table, you know, and we make sure that, that everyone is there with us. And that's something that I'm finding really inspiring. I like what you're saying there about uh, coming to the table because, sis, you've, you've been in some big houses, okay? <laughs> I mean, the Marvel Universe, um, Creed, like, we can run through... Um, Receipt. your receipt <laughs> but this although sylvie's is a beautiful film it is a small film you know mm-hmm. it's an independent film what is your power and why did you choose to come to this table mm. um because it is small because you can you know men in black international my daughter actually was this close to becoming you uh, for <laughs> halloween but uh you know zara needs to make a, a little girl's black <laughs> blazer um but i'm curious when you make a choice to come from your big studio films to these small films it was a pleasure to get to produce that i learned so much about producing about the the kind of skill set that's needed which is really thinking fast on your toes and problem solving i really enjoyed that and as you said this is not a big movie we had like two dollars and fifty cents i'm so proud that it looks expensive but Sis, it looks rich. We had some, we, you know, we got gifted a couple, not gifted. I mean, we had to send them back, but they let us borrow Chanel, let us borrow a couple dresses, which was incredible. A lot of those clothes were really from the period. Um, it was vintage delights, you know, but we really didn't have a lot of money. So there was a lot of problem solving, but I feel like, you know, they, they all sort of work for me. Like, I love the idea of getting to work between those spaces and it's not lost on me that that's a, that's a real privilege as a, as a woman of color, because I feel like for so long we've been sort of boxed into one space or another. And I think it's really incredible at this time that I feel like more and more inside of Hollywood that we're seeing, we can do anything that we can exist in all of these varied spaces. Um, I, I love being able to work in these big films that travel globally and get to be that for people. One of the proudest moments I've ever had in my career was going to the Men in Black premiere and seeing this little girl, this little brown girl with her daddy in a suit. And she like was waving to me and I got to go and like say hello to her. And so like a little girl that looked like me, you know what I mean? Like just curly hair out with her little suit and her dad, like that felt so good to me because I realized, you know, for all of us, we're so used to watching these stories and, and not seeing ourselves. Obviously this little girl looked like me so she could see herself in me. And I, I realized as much as we talk about representation, there will be Black women that look at me and don't see themselves, that cannot see themselves inside of me, um, which is why it's really important that there's 
room enough for us all. And I, and I think that's something that feels really important for me in terms of thinking about this production company. One of the reasons I really wanted to start it is because I want to be able to produce work that I'm not inside of, you know, like I think it's really important that black women get to see themselves and all the shades and shapes and sizes. And I'm, you know, I feel really blessed that I can provide some pocket of representation, but I'm deeply aware that there are people that women that look at me and cannot see themselves. And I want to be able to produce work where they can see themselves inside of the, you know, the faces and bodies of other black women. So that feels really important to me, you know, and we can't stop doing that. And it's been Mm -hmm. beautiful to see more and more and more of it. Tessa, one of the things I wanted to to talk to you about with the film that really spoke to me, you know, as a a, a romance film lover, rom-com mm-hmm. lover, all of this, everything and anything and everything in the space. What really jumped out to me about this film, Sylvie's Love, is it was refreshing to see it centered around love, mm-hmm. even though these were Black people in the 60s, right, which we know was not an easy decade for us, even when we were doing well. Um, it wasn't centered around that struggle. It was centered around the romantic struggle. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that was an intentional, you can tell that was an intentional decision, but it was sort of beautiful to just get lost in the love story without maybe hearing somebody get called a, the N-word or, you know, like we knew it was happening, but we were in that bubble with Sylvie and B-flat. So talk about, you know, what it was like, sort of that intentional decision to just focus on the romance. Yeah, that was something that Eugene Ash, the filmmaker, really spoke to about me that I found really compelling. I thought this will either really work or it won't work, but I'm interested in the exercise. And also, I just think when you look at sort of the history of Hollywood films and Hollywood iconography, there's not a lot of love stories that center us. That's just true. You know, you look at movies like Paris Blues, for example, and in the original book, the the two sort of central characters in that narrative were the black characters and you look at the movie and they're sort of you know I mean it's Diane Carroll and it's Sidney Poitier and they're amazing and incredible um but they are not as prominent in the narrative as the white characters and when they are on screen they're really saddled with talking by and large about this race problem this idea of whether they should stay in Paris or go back to America, what their responsibility is to their race. And while that is a very important question, one of the most important questions, they don't get to explore, you don't get to see them on screen explore any other facet of their humanity. And in a way, I think that that is a way of sort of dehumanizing us in a way that we can only be singular minded, that our humanity is relative to our race. And I think, you know, for me, I like, I wanted to see the sequel to Paris Blues, where you just get to see Sidney Poitier and Diane Carroll luxuriate in their love. You get to see them talk about what they want to order for dinner or have a, you know, have a, have a sexy argument. Sexy life. Yeah. And then make love. Like I, I want to see that. I want to see that. Um, And so I think that's what Eugene, that's what his aim was. He really talked about, if you looked at those pictures from that time, like a very famous Gordon Parks photograph, for example, where you get to see this woman with her child and you see, you know, for colored sign, like his idea was what if you zoom in 
on just the woman and the daughter. And you don't necessarily, you, while the context exists, the historical context, what you're interested in is just their story, their human story. And I think it is a way to sort of change the aperture that I was curious about. And then just selfishly, I've always wanted to make uh, like a romantic like love story. You know, like I remember seeing The Notebook when it came out and being like, oh, that must be so fun to get to do that. Um, and also period that, you know, my grandmother, like I grew up seeing photographs of her in her younger years and, and like I would hang out in her closet and try on all her clothes. And so I really wanted, to, you know, it, it, it felt very fun to get to do that. I think I had like 40 something changes in the film, um, but just to feel, you know, yeah, glamorous and, and elegant. Um, I selfishly just really wanted to do something like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite when you going back to me, you talking about representation, the things that I take. Um, I, mean, I love the scene when you, you know, you finally tell your husband, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, you know, <laughs> you give, you give Alano Miller his, your decision. But I also love the opening scene where you're just there in that green, it was a green dress and the gloves and you're just, and I'm like, I realize you don't, we don't see that that often. Yeah, like, we really you do. You have to go back to it. You have to like yeah. watch the pairs, but you have to go back to the Lena Horn movies and, um, at the waters and and, and uh, Dorothy Dandridge and all of that, but to see it here in Technicolor, um, it was just really heartwarming. But all right, so Charlie and I had a question. Okay, <laughs> we got to know now. Again, spoiler alert: When B flat, y'all in the street, mm-hmm. uh-huh. he's like, "Come to Paris with me." Uh-huh. Sylvie makes her choice. Yeah, yeah. But what would Tessa do? Oh, I, I, I'd go to Paris. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Because I was like, I would have been like, look, I don't need a bag, babe. <laughs> I don't even now. Like, <laughs> I would have been like, run me that ticket. When we, when are we leaving? Um, I would have, I definitely, definitely would have gone. I'm definitely very, I think, spontaneous um, in general, I'd like to think. Although I, I feel like this year maybe killed my, it's impossible to be spontaneous in COVID. You got to get like eight tests before you can see anybody. So it might have killed my spontaneity. But previous to this year, I'm, I'm spontaneous and even more so when I'm swept away um, by something or someone. So I would have been on that on that plane for sure. Ooh, speaking of swept away, just a quick laugh before we wrap. <laughs> I watched it and this morning I said to my husband, I said, why don't you just stop when we're walking in the house and kiss me on the stairs? <laughs> and he's like, what? And I was like, I mean, you kissed me in the house. What happened to like, we're not like in the door yet or we're on yeah. the street. Like what happened to like, and he said, you want that shit? But it was just really funny because, you know, that romance is really lost in that era, right? And I think there's a part of us that didn't, I don't think we meant to stop doing that because he literally was like, if you want me to, you know, sweep you in front of the mailbox and kiss you with the groceries, I'll do it. But he kind of, you know, like we don't see it. And so, but it made, it made me think about that, just the kissing on the street. That is so sweet. My my sincere hope is after uh, Christmas Day, when it comes out, that you just see lots of couples, particularly black couples, just kissing each other on the stairs. I love... Also, shout out to Love that you communicated that to him. That you that you asked for that. No, I think it's a it's a that's a hard thing to learn, especially when you're in a long time partnership. That it's so vital to be like, I'd like this. 
could you do this? <laughs> you know, um, I love that you communicated that. It, it comes with the job, but I know, uh, yeah, I've learned to just be like, hey, I feel this. I'm going to tell you, and it's going pretty well. 17 years later, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! Wow. Go so on. I'll let you guys know if I get the romantic kiss goodnight on the porch. Stay tuned. <laughs> I just want somebody to stand in the street and ask me to go to Paris. That's the yes, yes. Or play play the sax outside my window. Yes, yes, yes. Of it all, I'm just like homes and kids. I know, I know. We got we have to relearn how to sweep each other off our feet, especially during this time and in the wake of this time. I think you really we 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 must remember that that we can invent ways, even when we're stuck inside our house, um, on our couch, to love up on each other. You know. Yeah, seriously, Corey, you trying to meet me on the roof to sunbathe when outside open? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm Let's definitely have- going to a jazz club. Yes, definitely went to a jazz book. And shout out to Tone Bell. He's a cutie. Is oh he's so cute. He's, he's so, so cute. Aren't they so cute? I know. Yeah. I'm really like, I was, Namdi would make fun of me because I really love, sorry, don't at me. I love a man in a high-waisted pant. I really <laughs> in this movie. I really think it's very desirable. Yeah, um, Lovecraft. I was all about the pants. <laughs> Well, there's another cutie on that one. I know, Jonathan Majors. Hello. But that's Sylvie's Love Part 2. Yes. That's who Asia can get with. All right, we're going to wake that one. You get get to see. Ooh, that's sexy. Jonathan Majors. Mm -hmm. Oh, Tessa, we adore you. Thank you for always just being down for an amazing conversation, being a friend to Yes Girl. Congrats on Sylvie's Love. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. There's more Yes Girl up next. Stay tuned for our conversation with Asia Naomi King. Okay, Charlie. So we just finished talking with Tessa Thompson about Sylvie's love. But, you know, one of my favorite parts of Sylvie's love was the relationship she had with her cousin Mona. I mean... Wasn't it special? It it was was, so special. I wanted her to be my friend. Like, I needed a friend like that in my life growing up. And the rooftop moment. We needed that in our lives. And being like, girl, go get your man. Go have some fun. Okay. Go get in the field. Do a little something and make it happen. <laughs> Just be happy. Like, I love that. The real talk. The real talk of it all. The real talk of it all. So we had to get Asia Naomi King on the line. Asia, hello. Hello. <laughs> Where are you Welcome. calling in from? Um, so I'm in London right now. <laughs> oh, so we should have been oh, yeah. you. Yeah, we should have came to you. We should have just <laughs> masked up. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you really want to be over here. London is in lockdown as well, so no fish and chips. You can't get any fish and chips. No, there. no, not real. I'm not. No, and honestly, like God bless London. I'm not sure fish and chips is where it's at. I'm more into their Indian food because that is the bomb here. Oh my God! Can I have a two second moment with you? So I went there <laughs> once. And uh-huh. I went to actually funny real talk. It was when we shot Tessa Thompson. Actually, we had to shoot her over there. Um, she was uh-huh. doing that. And um, Dishoom, have you been? Dishoom, yes. yes, yes, yes. Shoreditch. Oh my God, we stood in line for like oh. an hour and a half, and it was worth every line. It was worth the wait. Yes, Dishoom has um, nailed the delivery service, so I have I get to enjoy their food frequently. 
They are excellent. It is so good. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's jump in. <laughs> okay. Now I'm hungry. So thanks yes. guys. <laughs> Lunch is coming. <laughs> but Asia, congratulations on the role and the film. Corey and I loved it. It was just such a beautiful display of black everything. <laughs> right, Corey? Right. It really did. I mean, the way it captures the look of Harlem in the 50s, it made it so regal. Yes. Um, yes. So what was one of the key factors that made you select this role? I mean, I it's, it's exactly what you say when you look at it, how beautiful that world looks. I wanted to be in this world. Um, I remember when Namdi first called me to talk to me about this film and this part, and I could just see it in his words. And I just felt like, yes, take me there. I want to be a part of this in any way, shape or form. Because like the film literally is just, it's like a time machine, just transporting you to this beautiful part of 1950s, 60s Harlem, to this world that's like dripping in Nancy Wilson and Eartha Kitt elegance. And I was just like, count me in. (laughs) And Tessa also mentioned that some of the costumes were loaned from Chanel. Yes, from the Chanel archive. Like everything, everything was vintage. Everything was from the exact right period um, down to the year. Like our costume designer, she's she's phenomenal. Like it, it was just like, I mean, you've seen it. So you've seen these costumes. And I mean, it was down to the underwear too. It was the underwear and the nylons, the shoes, the gloves, the hair pieces, like every inch of it was just so spot on and perfect. Well, speaking of inches, what was your favorite part in depicting on screen? Because I mean, we've all had dreams that, uh, you know, if we could go back in time, what era, but what part of this filming process did you love as far as going back in time? Oh man. I mean, gosh, (laughs) there are so many great scenes. Um, So it's like, it's hard to even like choose from, but I mean, I loved, I mean, I loved, I loved all the scenes on the rooftop in the, in, in, in these little adorable bathing suits, like the colors of everything were just so beautiful. Just envisioning these two young women having these conversations about, um, just everything, just just their lives, their experiences. And, you know, and Mona, my character, Mona, she's just so daring and loves the thrill. And I, th- I feel like we all need that friend who's going to, like, dare us to go outside of our comfort zone and, like, kind of push us in the direction of our dreams. Like, that friend that, that, that sees us as limitless, you know? And, and I just love how in the bulk of the conversations between Sylvie and Mona, like, she, she very much axes that um um for sylvie and you know and i and 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 really for me like so much of this film is just capturing the fullness of our blackness you know where where the focus for once isn't on the struggles we encounter from the outside world but rather the struggles within ourselves you know like when it comes to like seeking out love and like and the the pulls of that familial responsibility and then the the sublime joy of releasing ourselves to be fully happy, like all of, all of that, you know, because to say that what we are, you know, to, to only look at black people through the lens of our struggle and make that the entire focus of our lives is such a one dimensional lie. And there is just such a beautiful fullness in this storytelling because you just see so much expansive 
behavior and 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 inter- in interacting with with one another on a level that I think is way more relatable to what our everyday lives actually look like and looked like. Asia, it's great to hear you say that because, you know, Corey and I were talking about that and it's a black love story, right? Like you say, and it's not shown through the lens of struggle, right? Which is a beautiful thing to watch on screen. And as a love enthusiast, and a Black love movie enthusiast, it was just like a a real ride and a treat. I kept waiting for that, you know, external struggle. And it was like, no, this story is centered on Black love and family. So what was your favorite detail about the, about Sylvie's love story, you know, and that, just that whole centerpiece, what was your favorite detail? I think my most favorite detail about that was, was like that, that heartbreaking feeling of like, when you love someone so much, you sacrifice anything to make them happy, not realizing that the thing that would make them most happy is to actually be with you. So like, you know, we see Sylvie do it first. Oh, I don't want to give too much away of the story. <laughs> but, you know, we, we see. <laughs> I just caught myself there. Um, we see. Spoiler we see alert. Sylvie, Spoiler like, alert. Right? No, go ahead. Keep talking. <laughs> Yeah, we we see Sylvie do it first and and she kind of lets him go and they 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 make their way back to each other, which is so amazing. But then the same thing happens again from from his side. And it's like, no, like, stop getting in your own way. And I I think there's just something so human about that. We have such a way of sabotaging ourselves. um, And that is such a human instinct because I think we're afraid to embrace the beautiful things that we truly deserve. So, so we tell ourselves we can't have it and we make ourselves comfortable with the lack versus actually reaching for what we want. And I, and I really think that that is a beautiful kind of centerpiece in this story about how you have to surrender. You just have to surrender to what life is offering you. Absolutely. The sacrifice for love, you know, tale as old as time, but it's beautiful on screen. What other yeah. kinds of love stories would you love to see more of on screen, particularly black love stories? I mean, everything. Like, I love that we we captured this so beautifully in this in this time period because there wasn't definitely wasn't enough of this that existed during that time, anyways. And I mean, and 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 like, and we can just continue with more like. Just more like when you think of love stories when it comes to white people, like there's there's nothing. I mean, there are some amazing stories, of course, but there is nothing like uniquely significant about the time or the place where in which the story takes place. It just centers on people. And we deserve that as black people to just be the center of our own stories and to have love stories that's ranging in in age. Like we should have our bridges of Madison County. You know, we should have, we should have our When Harry Met Sally. Like, that's why I so appreciated, like, you know, films like The Photograph. Like, we, we deserve to just have this myriad of love stories to be able to turn to on a warm and cozy Sunday afternoon. We where it's do, like, Asia, we, we do. We do. <laughs> we deserve. We deserve. Oh, I love those. Right, Corey? Just all that. Don't let me start stuff. singing Tank. You deserve. Okay. 
Baby, I deserve it. We deserve it. No, it's beautiful. Asia, you were just speaking to my heart. Like, we deserve all of it on screen. I agree. And something else I think we deserve on screen, especially now, uh, sometimes, you know, we see it on television, but to see it like in a film like this and something so beautiful is this, the familial relationship between Mona and Sylvie um, and this bond. Because, you know, Charlie and I were talking like, much like you all, because your cousin's on screen, right? Yes. Yes. So I know for me, shout out to my cousin, uh, Rhonda Carson. I call her baby Rhonda, but she's like my best friend. (laughs) And we often connect on the fact that we're so close but the extra bond is that we're that there's you know we are blood but Mm -hmm. we're curious because that friendship you and Tessa had on screen was so beautiful and authentic but what experience or elements did you pull from your own closest friendships and conveying that bond yeah I mean it's for me my my sisters my mother like the black women who have raised me have been my my greatest champions in my life like that. And that's, that's always what it's been for me. And just, and women in general, I've, I've always felt so supported by the women in my life. And I think that is a truly magical thing when you have that kind of friend who like truly sees your heart, you know, Mm, and, mm -hmm. and they just, they just want to, right. And they just want to, they just want to be there for you, but they also want to call you on your stuff. They want, they want, they want to call you on it (laughs) and they want to help provide you with perspective because they are looking out for you. And, and when you add that layer of family, like when it is someone who has witnessed your transformation into adulthood, someone who knows, knows the most intimate parts of you, like that, that is a bond like no other. That is, that, that's a soulmate right there. You know, like that's, that is a person you will cherish no matter. And that's what I love about like Mona and Sylvie is like, they don't even have to be in the same place, no matter how much time passes or where they are when they're together, they pick right back up as if, as if nothing has happened in the meantime, you know? You probably touched on this already, but what is the biggest takeaway from, Mona and Sylvie's friendship? I think the biggest takeaway from Mona and Sylvie's friendship is, is just that, you know, no matter what you go through in life, that there are going to be those people by your side that have always been by your side and will continue to be by your side. And like, and just, I don't know. It's like they almost serve as not a, not a photo album, but like just a memory encapsulation of like, they're a mirror to like everything you've gone through because they've been there with you. I call my cousin and I call each other uh, sister cousins and we're uh-huh. very about it because <laughs> it's all guys and then just us, you know? So we'll be like, oh, it's like everybody had men and then it was just the two of us. So we're like, hey, sister cousin, hey, sister cousin, but it's so real for us. And we were like, no, we're sisters. So, so beautiful. So, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Music is the soundtrack of Sylvie's love. How is music the soundtrack to your own life? I mean, I love music. And I think we all, you know, you we all have those moments when you hear a song and it just takes you someplace. It takes you back Hello. to like, right? <laughs> yes, it it takes you back, takes you back to the first time you heard it or or to whatever like remarkable thing happened to you. Like maybe it was like your first dance with a boy. <laughs> 
Or like, and it takes you right day. back to that moment, and you guys, just, right? Like, you're, you're like, right oh, I'm at the prom again. There, <laughs> right? Exactly. Or like the first time you really understood the lyrics to something and you're like, wait a minute, what does this person say? Like, I'll never forget. I think I was, I must have been, I was 16 and my little sister was 12 and she started saying the lyrics to Nelly's Hot in Here. And I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> and I'll just never... I'll never forget that moment because it was just hilarious to me that I hadn't really heard the lyrics until they were coming out of the mouth of this 12-year-old child. <laughs> this reminds me of that a, must have been a moment. I remember a, a time with my mom. She uh, Melissa Morgan had redid Do Me Baby and it was uh-huh. on and I was singing it. And my mother looked over at me and she said, only Prince can sing Do Me Baby. And it took me, you know, much years later, I realized like, what did my mother just say to me? (laughs) She had this look on her face. I was like, oh my God, TMI mother, TMI, TMI. Ah, And it makes, yeah, it takes me back to like, um, like growing up, you know, there was always a lot of singing in my family, but my mother would always sing Diana Ross, like, you know, just because that was her idol. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, she would just be singing like, you know, good morning heartache or, or, you know, just any, any Diana Ross classic. And, and it's like, it, it just, I don't know. There's something that it, it fills me with this warmth because it reminds me of a time in my life when I was just, you know, I was unencumbered by like the realities of being an adult and just feeling like safe and being a child and being happy and watching my parents be playful and, you know, like, and that, and I just, I love that about the power of music. And I think that is really beautifully captured in this film. Just, just every, every bit of it is just so, so perfectly attuned to what you're watching in the story. One other moment that I really love, and it's, it's kind of almost, my favorite moment it comes at the end um and you you know spoiler alert but you have um i'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this but you know we see you early in the film you're very much about you know boys and men and you know getting dates but at the end uh it's almost like you've grown up and yeah. you've got a very serious role you're at the march on washington you're you're as a, you're working as a campaign worker And, you know, you give some really good advice to Sylvie, but I love that because it just lets you know, it was a reminder that, you know, you can have like your fun or whatever, but then, you know, it's that moment where you, you know, something like Charlie and I say, like when you step into your womanhood. Um, Mm. So I'm just curious for you, Asia, when did you step into your womanhood um, as, you know, in your real life, much like Mona did in that, in that moment? I feel like I really stepped into my womanhood the first time I, I moved away from home. Like, like not like not just college or grad school, but like being out of school and, and being in another state across the country and like feeling, feeling the support and love of my parents and family, of course, but also being like on my own in an unfamiliar place and knowing that you know kind of in that moment like I'm all I have like I know I have people but right right now in this space I'm all I have and 
I think there's something about like going through a period almost of, um, of isolation with yourself as you're like, you know, I mean, at the time for me, I was like, I was in my mid twenties. I was living in New York. I felt very on my own. And, and I mean, I was still talking to my parents and, and sisters all the time, but like, there was just, I, I wasn't used to the pace of the city and I had to, I had to get there. And, and, and that, and that was, that reminds me of something like my mother would always say to me, she was like, you can't be there. You have to get there. And I felt like I really went on that journey with myself. And it was one of the first times where, because I was so desperate for connection and a community and a tribe in this place. I was offering so much of myself to just anyone who would like hang out with me, you know, and like just hopping on trains and trying to be there for this person and be there for that person. And I think, I think finding, finding the the solace in that solitude, being able to just sit with myself and enjoy that, that kind of peacefulness and not feeling like I owed my time to anyone and that I could still have a connection to them regardless of whether or not I could jump on a train for them at a moment's notice was when I was able to fully step into my womanhood. Asia, I love that. And honestly, I I really wanted to close by thanking you because when you gave your acceptance speech at Black Women Hollywood, Um, Uh We were there covering it and I started tearing up when you were talking about self-doubt because that journey, right, as a a young black woman in America, like you just spoke to my heart that day and I was in the back, amen, clapping, crying, all of the things, but I get it and I understand and I just thank you for, you know, really just taking that moment to be very brave and open about that. Um, because you don't often see actresses be that vulnerable, you know, and it yeah. was like something we all could relate to. And it was just nice to feel seen. So, you know, thank you for always being vulnerable. I'll never forget that. I was back there, like, losing it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I really, that was, I mean, that was a really hard speech for me to write. So thank you. Of course. No, thank you. And thank you for your time today, mate, Corey and I say, what a lovely Kiki we just had. Thank you. And thank you for Sylvie's love and representing us. Yes. Yes. Giving us goals, body goals, skin goals. Skin goals. (laughs) I'm like, her skin is, it must be airbrushed, but it's not. It's just her. I've seen it. Unbelievable. Thank you. Will you stay safe, Asia, and bring us back some snacks from London? Please do. Will do. I would like a hot cross bun, please. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) You got it. Oh, and if you happen to see Kingsley Ben a deer, tell him I said hello. Bye bye. Okay. <laughs> they want to be that specific, but um, but while I have you, okay. Special thanks to our guests Tessa Thompson and Asia Naomi King. Be sure to check out Sylvie's Love on Amazon Prime Video. Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Yes, yes Girl. Girl, featuring interviews with Jada Pinkett Smith, Amanda Seals, Ayala Van Zant. And Michael B. Jordan. You can find Yes Girl on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, yes, that's you. Be sure to leave a review and let us know what you think. We love reviews. Give us reviews. More, more reviews. Thank you. Don't forget to talk to us on social at Corey Murray, at Charlie Penn on Instagram, and at Man Wife Dog on Twitter. Be sure to use hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. 
Love ya. Talk to you soon.